we've really just made it into sort of our our place. So it's like you're coming to our house for dinner, and um, I think in such a noisy world, you know, with all the social media and all these TV shows now, it's it's quite hard sometimes for a chef to find their voice, and um, I, I think I found it now. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. When we talk about regional dining, we often think of restaurants in the countryside, in small country towns with a small population. We don't often talk about large regional cities and how the restaurants of these speak of the region. Shane Mansfield is the head chef of The Flotilla in Newcastle, New South Wales. Shane, how are you? Good, Huck. How are you? I'm good. You're um, cooking in Newcastle these days. What's the food scene like in Newcastle? Yeah, it's explosive at the moment. Uh, there's heaps going on. Um, having said that, we've just lost a, a very good restaurant, uh, Restaurant Mason. Um, so he's decided to close his doors. Um, but other than that, we've got some some really good options. Um, everything from sort of yeah, refined casual dining, which is which is what we do, um, down to good burgers and, and heaps of pubs. Pub pub scene here is is cracking. So, tell us a little bit about about the re- tell us a little bit about the region um, and the produce that you have access to. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, amazing produce down here. We're using um, lots of lots of local producers. So Little Hill Farm, uh, Simon and Kelly out there. Um, I, I say to the guests, I've been using them for about six years now um, since I moved down, and I, I say to the guests all the time. Um, I'm not a religious person, but if I believe in reincarnation, I'd like to come back as one of their chickens. So, um, <laughs> yeah, they're fantastic. Um, and then we've got, you know, some some little girls as well, Dylan and, and Elle from Newcastle Greens. Um, they've done some pretty cool stuff. And then Stuart and Dell up in um, Foster um, from Mother Fungus Mushrooms. Um, yeah, we're, we're very, very honoured that we get to use them. You mentioned you've been in the region for about six years. Um, what, what drew you to the region? I uh, was working for Spices, so um, Spices uh, Luxury uh, Resorts and Retreats. Uh, when I got back from London, I, I, I hit up Cameron Matthews, who's, who's a good buddy of mine now and, and, and a mentor, um, and I went and worked at The Long Apron. So I, I did a stint at The Long Apron, and then um, I moved on for a year, and uh, they had a head chef um, opportunity down in the Hunter Valley, so I uh, packed up my gear and and moved down to the Hunter Valley, which was cool. So uh, that was my first head chef gig, which was was pretty rocky territory. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us a bit about that first sort of gig, and also away sort of from an area that you were used to in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, cut my teeth in 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 Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast. Um, and then, yeah, to, to sort of go down and, and be your first head chef gig um, in a beautiful restaurant like Restaurant Botanica was, um, it was, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You sort of work your career working all the way through, waiting to be head chef and really, really excited. And all of a sudden it's there and you're, you're like, oh, shit, like uh, the buck stops with me now. So, <laughs> yeah, a lot of learning, a lot of self-teaching as well. But um, I had Cam there for a majority of it and he was sort of he's steering the ship as you would say. So, yeah, it was it was good. It was interesting. There's a lot of learning. Well, I want to go over sort of all of the sort of important moments in your career, but take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play in your family? Yeah, um, sort of, yeah, very big role. I think um, my mum was a single mum for a while, so her cooking skills, I mean, I, I still say her lasagna is probably my favourite. It's the most bastardised Western version of, of lasagna that you can find, but 
I don't know, when it's your mum, it's it's a bit personal then, isn't it? So uh, it's, it was quite nice. Uh, but yeah, my again, just to, to not to, to be too cliche, um, my grandmother was a was a massive influence. Um, you know, she was always always cooking, and ever since I was I don't know about seven or eight, I was sort of in the kitchen with her, just just asking her heaps of questions. And um, yeah, she would get you know whole chickens in, and she would make four meals out of it for her and my grandfather. So. Um, she'd do all different dishes out of it, so yeah, it was cool to cool to see that from a young age. And she was always into pickling and preserving, and there's all these weird, wonderful jars underneath the the kitchen sink, which kind of freaked me out when I first saw them. And then you you, you learn what they are, and yeah, <laughs> and I think that's translated into a lot of cooking that we that we do now at Flotilla as well. So I use a lot of my grandmother's recipes that she handed down. What was the first sort of uh, stepping stone for you to to a move in for a career in hospitality? Uh, I didn't like school. I, I couldn't stand school. I, it was more of a social outlet for me. Um, I just, just was, just didn't get it. I just didn't understand it. Um, so my mother said to me, you need to finish grade 10, which I did quite, quite miserably. Um, and she said, you can't just sit around and do nothing. Um, you need to do something. And cooking was always something that I was, I was passionate about. Um, she said, right, well, we're going to enroll you into a pre-vocational course. You can do it for six months. So I did that at the Nambour um, TAFE there. Did my six-month course. And then, yeah, I just fell in love with it even more. I just just really liked it. And then, then I started my apprenticeship. So um, started from the bottom. So I worked at a pub for a year, um, which I think is, is important. You know, some people might scoff at, at, at working at pubs. I, I don't. I think they're great. Um, but you know, you learn all the basics there. You learn cutting skills and, and you know, what, what a majority of vegetables are. Cause you know, if you had to put a bunch of shovel in front of me when I was 10 years old, I have no idea what you're talking about. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was really good. And then I just, I always envisioned myself sort of working on the higher end of, of hospitality. So I went and then worked as a second and third year at the spirit house. Um, in Yandina, which was a which was an absolute monster of a of of a restaurant, um, and that's where I met probably one of my first sort of real influences when it comes to the chefing world was uh, Zeb Gilbert, who was of course at Wasabi, and he's now moved on to Happy Happiness Island, I think it's called Joy Island. Um, yeah, and he was he was amazing. Yeah, definitely. I remember the the head chef telling me I had to go crack coconuts, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm like, how do we do that? And he showed me, he sat out the back, took our shoes off, put the coconut in between our legs and, uh, yeah, broke it open with a rock. I thought he was having me on. Um, but <laughs> no, that's, that's how he did it. So that and then uh, Julie ending five kilos of chili and not realizing that you're supposed to thoroughly wash your hands before you go to the bathroom. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, come, come back into the kitchen and chef, chef I, I think I was 16 at the time, 17. Um, I said, I'm, I'm burning, I'm burning. So he, he set me home with a tub of yogurt um, down the front of me. So, <laughs> yeah, I, and I've, I've, yeah, I'm very wary when I cut chilies now, even now. So, <laughs> In the early days, what, what was a really sort of influential um, moments in the kitchen for you that helped you uh, carve a path in hospitality? Yeah, I think working for for people um, like, like Zeb Gilbert, um, he said to me one day, uh, I, was put, I put a plate on the past as a, as a you know, starry-eyed second year. Um, and he said to me, is that good enough? And I said, oh, oh, I'm, I'm not too sure, Chef. Um, and he said, Who, who's the most important person in your life? And I said, oh, it's my grandmother. He said, would you have served that to her? And I said, oh, probably not, Chef. And uh, he said, oh, that's the answer. So 
uh, we do it again. And I've kind of always just just followed that whole thing my whole career now. Um, you know, I always say, I say it to my young guys now. So it was a very, very influential thing to say to such a young, impressionable kid. Um, and it's just stuck with me for life. So, yeah, it was good. You spent a lot of your... Uh, earlier career in Brisbane. Um, tell us about that period of time and um, and what effect it had on you. Yeah, I had a I had a lead to go and work for uh, Philip Johnson at Echo. Um, so I, I stumbled in there and and uh, you know at the time um, he they they had won the they won the best restaurant in Australia uh, a few years before I before I got down there and. I just was just in awe of this guy. I had all these cookbooks and I kind of fangirled over him a little bit, I guess you'd say. <laughs> um, yeah, and just, just really wanted to work there. So, I, again, I, I went in there and, and worked, and that was even another level on top of, of where I'd come from. So that was probably the first time I'd, I'd actually seen, um, you know, because Spirit House was, was sort of the, the Thai flavors and the, the Southeast Asian cooking style and then that was a proper first european kitchen i'd sort of worked with with phil so yeah it was just amazing it was a whirlwind um it was just super busy um and and all the people that i'd met there and and friends that i've had now since my time there it was just it was just amazing like you know cooking duck for the first time as a young chef like other minute and you know from scratch not not surveying it like you know just just being taught how to render duck down like it was just super just those those basic things that I think we take for granted as chefs now. Um, it was just really important. Um, and then Phil said, I think it's time for you to go overseas. Um, yeah. And then, then I got on a plane and went to London. So Phil Johnson is a legend of the hospitality sector in Australia. Do you have any stories of what it's like working with him? Yeah. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a legend. He's just such a, such a good person. He's just always full of, full of life and energy and, and, you know, nothing's ever too hard for him. Um, you can always, always talk to him and, and um, just the way he taught us was just, it was really cool. It was very nurturing. It wasn't, you know, yelling or, or aggressive. Um, it was just, yeah, it was a really good place to be. I mean, we worked super hard and we did some big numbers, but, um, you know, we always sat down and had a beer at the end of it. So, and had some good chats and he's, yeah, his knowledge is, is just unbelievable. On his advice, you set off to the UK. What was that like compared to the kitchens that you'd worked at in Australia? Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, yeah a dif- different different world over there. I, I now sort of relate it to, you know, you do your apprenticeship here in Australia and, and you cut your teeth in some of the really good restaurants and then you go over to... You go over to London and it's a bit like university, I guess. I, um, I went there with one, one, one focus in mind and that was to do Michelin. Um, and and just see if I could if I could do it there and uh, yeah I, I think I did so it was yeah so jumped on the plane went over there um, I actually had a really bad experience for probably the first two months I was there and nearly ended up coming back home um, just got just it was just a rough time yeah um, but persevered and, and saw through it so you spent time um, working in Jason Atherton's uh, kitchens um, what sort of impact did that have on you? Uh, yeah, massive impact. Uh, like I said, it was a bit of a rough, rough trot. So when I first got there, I worked for a, a restaurant there that um, it was a very well-known restaurant. Uh, a lot of famous people used to eat there, which is another thing. Like you know, the most famous person we used to see in uh, Echo sometimes was you know some of the Broncos, which is great. You know, that's awesome. 
you know, when you, you do your first shift upstairs in an open kitchen, um, shucking oysters, and Johnny Depp walks in, um, it's, it's pretty eye-opening. So, <laughs> you know, small country uh, country kid from Brisbane, you know, and you rubbing shoulders with some of these people. It was pretty pretty insane to see and, and uh, it was fun. But, yeah, it was that, that one there, I, I kind of didn't really want to work there for too long um, and ended up getting quite sick. So um, I had to spend some time in, in hospital there and, and then when I got out, um, I went back to go work at that restaurant, and um, they had packed all my stuff out of the out of the locker and, and threw it down the alleyway, and and said, "Oh, you obviously can't." Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, I said, "You obviously can't handle this industry. Um, you need to think of doing something else." Um, and you know, you're 26, 27 at the time, and uh, that was pretty shit. So I I, I kind of like when people say you can't do something. Um, I think it fuels the fire even more. So. Uh, he said that to me and he goes, what are you going to do there? So I'm going to go and do Michelin. And he kind of laughed at me. Um, and then I ended up working for Jason Atherton. So that was, it was amazing. That was just, yeah, another different experience. You worked quite closely with, uh, executive head chef, Paul Walsh over there. Tell us about the influence that he had. Yeah, he, he, again, he's a, another a great mentor, um, that I sort of look up to. Uh, he had spent a lot of time working for Claire at um, Royal Hospital Road, so Ramsey's restaurant. Um, yeah, he just, like, he's the way he thought about food and and um, it's just the way he ran the kitchen. I'd never seen that before and it was amazing. Like, you know, we opened up City Social, which was on the 25th floor of the, the old Queen Victoria building in Liverpool Street. Um, and it was amazing. The kitchen was just, like, all decked out. It was 360-degree views of London. Like, I, I thought I had a dream job. I thought it was a joke that they were paying me, even though we were doing, you know, 90 to 100-hour weeks. So, <laughs> yeah, and then that was my first job on, on Saucier. So, I, you know, we're doing 160, 170 for lunch and then 200 for dinner at that level too. Um, and, again, everything was cooked from scratch. There was, like, nothing was sous vide. So, you know, it was it was pretty hard not to go down every single service. And as the pun would intend, you know, deep in the weeds every single day. So. <laughs> While working for Jason, it gave you the opportunity to sort of explore Europe as well. Do you have any stories of, of the impact that that experience of Europe had on you? Yeah, definitely. I, I remember my first week when I started at City Social, the, the head chef Paul came up to me and he said, oh, you need to figure out when you're going on holidays. I said, oh, I don't understand that, Chef. I've only just started. And he said, no, you need something to look forward to. You're going to work super hard here and you need to not get lost. So that was a really cool concept that I that I, I thought, oh, that's really cool. So I um, I thought about it for a week and then I said, I'll take two weeks off in this. And he goes, yep, that's fine. At least you've got something to work towards then too. And yeah, it was cool because, you know, this is post-COVID. Uh, sorry, pre-COVID, not post-COVID. Um, you know, and the industry was already in dire straits and it was hard to get staff there. Um, and to even just think about even having a holiday was just a very foreign concept uh, to me, especially in a kitchen so busy. Um, yeah, so then I, I just jumped on a plane. Obviously, when you live in London, like it's a forty-minute, um, it's a forty-minute flight to to Rome, which is really cool. Um, sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, 40, 40 minute flight to Rome, which is really cool, and then. Um, yeah, I just remember like it's something so simple um, as sitting in a, an old pasta bar and just having pappardelle with fresh truffles and, and egg jerk. I was like, holy shit. Like, I just thought, I, it, like, it, 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 can it get any better than this? I just thought it was great. What lured you back to Australia? 
Uh, yeah, I had been working for, for Jason for yeah, probably a year and a half to two years, and um, they had offered me uh, sponsorship. They said, we, we, you know, your visa is coming to an end. Um, we'd like to offer you to stay on. We think you've got, you know, some potential here. And I was really excited about that, but um, uh, not unfortunately. Um, I was seeing a, a, a girl at the time who had just finished up uni and, and really wanted to go to Australia. So I was like, okay, cool. So we'll move home. So, yeah, that brought me home. Tell us about your career. You mentioned uh, when, sort of when you came back to Australia, you mentioned um, Botanica and Spices. Um Cameron Matthews is a huge influence on what they haven't been able to achieve in Australia with their restaurants. What's it been like working with him? Yeah, uh, amazing. I, when I knew I was coming home, um, my partner at the time, Ellie, she she said she wanted to go back to the Sunshine Coast um, where I sort of did a, a little bit of my apprenticeship there and, and lived. My family was there as well and I, I sort of, I, I envisioned going back to Melbourne on Sydney because I, I kind of didn't want to go backwards. So I had heard about um, wasabi and I'd heard about the long apron. And as much as I love Japanese flavors and, and everything to do with Japanese, I, 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 you know, don't, not really my sort of cup of tea when it comes to cooking. Um, so I hit up Cameron Matthews and I remember I, I'd sent him email after email after email for about three weeks. So just the guy must have thought I was mental. Um, and I said, I'm coming home and I, I, I want a job. Like, I oh, will do dishes for you if I need to. Um, yeah, and then I remember he said, right, uh, I think I was in the airport in Qatar on the way home, and he said, right, you've got a, a job interview and a trial tomorrow. So I landed at 9 in the morning on the Thursday and drove up, up the coast, and I think my trial was at 1 o'clock that day, so super jet-lagged. Um, so it was a fun night. How different was it cooking in sort of resort restaurants compared to what you'd experienced? Yeah, I think the Long Apron, although it was in a in a retreat, it was it was very much so still a sort of a standalone restaurant, and and Cam very much ran it that way as well. We obviously did breakfast, but we had a breakfast team on, um, and then yeah, doing the food that were there, it was it was it was awesome. It was really good. It was kind of like we'd just gone from London, and then that restaurant had moved into into the hinterland and again like the way Cam looks at food and and his philosophy around everything was just really intoxicating. Um, and he kind of taught me that there's no boundaries as long as something tastes nice and it's executed properly. Um, just go for the hills, which is again, another very valuable lesson to learn, I think. Um, and still, still growing from that now. These days, as we mentioned at the top of the show, you're in Newcastle at Flotilla. Um, tell us about the restaurant and, and what you're doing there. Yeah. So it's a 35 seater, uh, restaurant. We've got some seats on the deck as well. Um, but obviously in summer it's yeah, crazy hot and in winter it's too cold so uh, it's just a bit of a carryover out the front but yeah 35 seater we 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 turn that twice so you know a busy night for us is, is anywhere between 70 to, to 80 um, but it's an open kitchen which I thought was awesome because um, and I've heard this on this this show a few times like you know chefs are normally in boxes with no windows and you know it's it's okay and um, it it obviously breeds a certain certain aspect in kitchen culture as well you know like high tempers and yelling and you know it's you know sort of psychological warfare sometimes um which we've all been subjected to but to go into an open kitchen like that is is it was different you have to change you know the, the guests don't want to see that or some maybe some people do i don't know maybe they've watched boiling point too many times i'm not too sure but um it, it changes and and now it's a bit more of a nurturing and it's a it's like a theater now so 
and all these open kitchens are the same. Like people are interested now in what you want to do, um, and and they're, they're always asking questions. So you know, when you walk into Flotilla, it's we cook over eighty percent of our stuffs cooked over Mabrasa, so over charcoal. Um, it's a big fire in there, and yeah, it's just everyone loves it, and they just ask heap of questions. We've got uh, six top that we sit at the at the bar, so they're literally you know four feet away from us, um, and you get some really good good guests in there that are, that are very chatty and I think as a chef as well that's been very important for us and, and the young guys that are in there now too is that uh, it's, I don't know it might sound a bit selfish but that instant gratification of you know watching people eat your food and and just you know just super happy to be there and they're interested in what you're doing and yeah I think it's really really valuable um, for chefs you mentioned the influence of your grandmother on your cooking now um, tell us about your food and um, do you have a dish or two you can talk about that sort of exemplifies where you're at? Yeah, hundred percent. We, um, we use a lot of my old, my, my grandmother's uh, recipes that she, she passed on to me. So like our pickling mix is, is the recipe that my grandmother gave me. Um, we were doing a dessert for spring, um, spring, summer, like strawberries and cream. And we, you do a shortcake biscuit recipe and it's my grandmother. So I've been eating that thing for, you know, 30 odd years now. And it hasn't changed. Um, it's just delicious. And yeah. So, you know, people that say you cook like a grandma, that's a compliment to me. So <laughs> I like it. Yeah. You took on the role uh, during the pandemic. Um, what's it been like being head chef of a restaurant um, that's had, you know, so many lockdowns and opening and um, sort of difficult times? Um, what's it been like this sort of last two years? Uh, yeah, same as everyone. It's been been very rocky, um, but we have some amazing owners in Chris and Zach, and they've kind of just been very supportive and they've helped us out. Um, so the last lockdown that we had last year, uh, which was nine weeks, I think it was, um, we had a week off, week or two off, and I said to my restaurant manager Eddie, I, I said, "Man, I can't do this. We need to do something." And we went through a whole bunch of concepts of what we were going to do, and. Um, on a Sunday, we do a set menu at Flotilla. So it's five courses. Everyone comes in and we use it as a bit of an experimental menu um, to like a, to feed the dishes on for the next season's menu as well. Uh, so we decided to just do that and do it take home. And we, you know, just sort of ran the gauntlet. We, we weren't sure what was going to happen. And the local support was, was overwhelming. It was amazing. Like we were selling out weeks in advance. Um, yeah, it's just great. And it was great to just get, get the boys back in the kitchen, get everyone busy again and, and actually, you know, start seeing people's faces, um, albeit that they're all wearing masks. But, um, yeah, it was still good to just, just be be in the community doing something. What sort of impact has the last sort of couple of years had on you? You've had this great opportunity to really express yourself with your food, but it's been challenging times. Have you changed your approach to the way um, – you deliver your interpretation of hospitality? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I've I've found my voice uh, finally. I've been really lucky to the, – the owners there have just been absolutely amazing. Um, and they've just sort of let Eduardo, who's my restaurant manager, and, and myself just, just have free reign with it. Um, and we've really just made it into sort of our, our place. So it's like you're coming to our house for dinner. And um, I think in such a noisy world – you know, with all the social media and all these TV shows now, it's, it's quite hard sometimes for a chef to find their voice, and um, I, I think I found it now. So, yeah, it's good. What do you love about what you do? Ah, oh, loads of things. Uh, the creativity, 
Um, yeah, just meeting people. I think that's my favorite thing is, is, is the relationships you build and the people that you meet. And, um, uh, not last year, the, the year before I went and made a knife with a local knife maker, um, named Craig Mayer. And, um, it was amazing to see someone with so much passion for another thing other than cooking. Um, obviously as, as chefs, you, you know, you're super passionate about it and you're about the food and the growers and then. You go and you run into these these other people that are passionate about you know whether it be knife making or making pottery or anything like that. And I think that's my favourite thing is just hanging out with people that are that are like minded and they just have passion for for their thing. And I think it's super important. Um, yeah, I just love it. I think it's intoxicating when you meet people like that. Well, Shane, it's amazing the path the path that you're carving there in, in Newcastle with the food scene. We've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks very much, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, thank you to you too for, for what you're doing. This, this podcast is awesome, man. So keep it up. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.